Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Everybody. Today I'm talking with John Lewis. He is CEO and co-founder of Nourish Me. He was previously, previously associate professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine. His work spans many years in the design and conduct of successful research in nutrition, nutritional supplements, exercise, medical devices, and health promotion. John, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to have uh, have an opportunity to speak to you. So you've done a lot of uh, research on dementia, and how did you get involved in all of that? That's a great question. I was very fortunate to have had a colleague giving a lecture uh, at a conference specifically about brain health, and he was talking about some anecdotal work that he had, very, very uh, intriguing and inspiring work showing that people with Alzheimer's and Parkinson's were actually having improvement. They were actually showing benefit to taking, uh, taking uh, particular nutrients that we will get into a little bit later in the show. And uh, a woman who was in the audience heard him speak, and she approached him afterward and said, what you shared with us today was very inspiring. My husband and I have lost a few family members to Alzheimer's disease. We would love to... Uh, support you in your research and your work, and and uh, so he called me after uh, the event, and he said, "John, good news. Uh, I have a, a, a potential benefactor here for a new clinical trial, and we need to do this in Alzheimer's disease." And I said, "No problem. Let's go for it." So I don't know if you you know how much your listeners are aware, but uh, at least in the United States, I'm not so sure about Canada, but. Um, in the U.S. here, we're pretty much driven by, you know, we as investigators, professors at universities, we're driven by how much money can be raised uh, to conduct research. So that's a big part of how uh, research gets conducted in, in the United States. And so we were very fortunate to have had someone personally affected by this terrible disease known as Alzheimer's to be able to, uh, to put her money where her mouth was and support our study. And, and so it... it it was really a, I guess you could say, to, to specifically answer your question, it was just, you know, whether you believe in fate or things happen for a reason or the randomness of the universe, uh, we were fortunate to have somebody who wanted to help us. Well, you know, I, I agree with you on that. My uh, maternal grandmother had dementia, and it was a, a really stressful time because we didn't notice until after my grandfather had passed away and she was on her own. I guess, you know, they had he had covered for her or helped her remember certain things. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, it, it it's not a, it's not a romantic disease. It's been romanticized in movies, but it's not. And uh, it's really difficult to watch somebody um, deteriorate in that way because they're they're not really who they are or were. Um, and and it's not it's not a really fast illness either. So you, so for a very long time, you're watching somebody that you love suffer. I agree with you. I, I, I was lucky in the sense that I have not had a, a family member or a close friend affected by dementia. My family members have died of pretty much all other chronic diseases, but we, for whatever reason, steered away from dementia and Alzheimer's. But in interacting with the caregivers in the study, it was obvious and very painful uh, how tragic this disease is, just listening to their stories, talking about either their spouse or their parent or their grandparent formerly being a very active and, and uh, you know, functional member of society and then basically turned into a piece of furniture. And I'm sure you know this well with your grandmother's experience. And so it was, it was heart-wrenching, uh, heartbreaking, gut-wrenching to, you know, to listen to people's stories about their loved one going through this disease. I mean, it's probably... Uh, as you said, there's nothing romantic about 
about this disease. Far from it. it it's tragedy. There's nothing romantic about it. Well, and and it seems um, this is a big fear for my mother because she watched her mother go through this and she does everything that she knows how to protect herself, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of information. You know, she eats well and takes care of herself, but but it, it seems to be a big fear if you've watched somebody go through it that it's going to happen to you. Is that a really common pattern? Well, again, I, you know, I, I can only uh, speak for the American experience. I don't know so much about the statistics in Canada, but I can say that, you know, the brain health um, awareness issue has become literally like almost unbelievable over the last six, seven, eight years. When we first started this study, uh, it's hard to believe it's been almost 10 years ago. We first we published the first paper in 2013. We published the second paper from the study in 17, and then we have a third paper from the study uh, that's currently under review. So it's been a while since we uh, initiated this first study, but since that time, it's like you have to be living uh, under a rock in the middle of nowhere to have not read articles in the news or seen something on TV or something on the Internet talking about Big Pharma's failure to do anything about dementia. We do have five FDA-approved drugs in the United States, but basically all those drugs will do for you is de- delay decline for a few months if you're lucky, and then after that, you just kind of keep falling off the cliff uh, to the point where you die. I mean, I've, I've said many times in lectures that Alzheimer's today is what HIV was uh, before the advent of antiretroviral medications, it's basically a death sentence from a conventional medicine perspective because, again, uh, these are statistics from the U.S. It's the sixth, sixth leading cause of death in the U.S. There is no conventionally uh, conceived uh, preventative strategy, cure, treatment, etc. It's basically just, okay, here, here are five FDA-approved drugs, Take them, if you will, for a few months, and that's about the best that uh, that we can do. Now, again, that's from a very conventional, dogmatic perspective of, you know, medicine in general, uh, neurologists and psychiatrists specifically. But what we do with nutrition, and I mean, I'm even aware of other things, for example, like hyperbaric oxygen that I know is also very beneficial for people, not just for neurodegenerative disorders, but for others as well. Uh, But our work in nutrition is a completely different model. We don't look at treating disease. We look at providing the body the raw materials that every cell in the body needs to repair, restore, and heal itself. Now, when you think about that, that's a very, very different model from the medical paradigm where the pharmaceutical companies are looking to take one chemical for one mechanism of action for one disease or medical indication. I mean, that's a very limited, narrow scope uh, of of physiology where you're not even really enabling physiology. You're altering physiology, which is why, as as a definition, all drugs have side effects, right? I mean, every it, it cannot be something cannot be called a drug uh, unless it has side effects that are documented. So nutrition is completely different approach from that, and and that's why uh, you know I don't really um, I don't really get too excited or concerned when you know we have all of these stories in the news about big pharma's failures to do anything about dementia, because that's not the answer in the first place. The answer is nutrition, number one, uh, probably exercise, number two, and then lots of other lifestyle behaviors or three to whatever and fairly fall down, uh, I'm sorry, not fall down, far down uh, that priority list in terms of magnitude of effect. So um, you're... It's interesting what you're saying. So you have five approved drugs in in the States for dementia, and they only give you maybe a couple months. And, you know, it takes years to decline with dementia. And, and, um, you know, I find that really interesting that those drugs would even be approved if there's such um, a short period of time that they actually work or appear to work. Um, so, So what is going on in the world of pharmaceuticals in relationship with dementia? 
Well, I pretty much said it. Again, uh, the, the drug companies here in the United States continue shooting blanks. There have been just one article after another in the news, whether it's in print or, or media on TV, uh, you know, talking about big pharma's failures to to show anything with their, uh, you know, their latest chemical of interest. I mean, it just doesn't work. And so, again, I go back to this notion of it's all about nutrition because what we put in our mouths, not not called a drug, but food, uh, the foods that we eat, the 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 drinks that we um, swallow, these are the things, you know, the nutrients contained in these things are what gives our cells the raw materials that they need to function properly. I mean, we're talking about enabling the bioengineering of life, and that's every cell in your body from head to toe. So nutrition isn't just specific to one organ system, as you know, and I'm sure your listeners know. When we eat an apple or um, some kale or a mango or watermelon or whatever, those nutrients in that food are distributed, um, you know, throughout the entire body and our body's own innate intelligence knows how to do that. And so, again, we took an approach in our study with nutrition to show that giving the body the raw materials that it needs to function properly will allow it to restore, repair, and heal itself. And that's exactly what our study showed. Um, which is really amazing and, and, and encouraging. You know, it, it's um, definitely, as you're saying, a, a failing on on the part of the pharmaceutical companies, and and really, um, you, you know, a, a failing on on our society as well that we're not recognizing the bigger picture. That you know, changing a few things in in nutrition can actually make a, a big difference when we ignore nutrition so much you go to the doctor and they're not going to tell you to to change your diet even if it's your stomach that's bothering you you know it's it's medication or a specialist or a test and it it doesn't go into something that simple that's right i mean uh, <clears throat> again i'm speaking purely from the us experience we have such a backward approach you know we we only uh, treat people when they're ill. We don't, prevention is, I mean, it's virtually completely ignored. It's only the physicians who, uh, I guess you could say, wake up from their dogma and say, well, wait a minute, you know, we can't just throw chemicals in somebody's system and expect that to work. There have to be other answers. There have to be more foundational issues to address why this person got sick in the first place. And then, we call things like nutrition and exercise complementary, whereas medicine is, is viewed as the foundation. I mean, if that's not backward, I don't know what is. No one, whether you believe in evolution or creation or I guess some combination, we didn't get to where we are today because we needed synthetic uh, products or chemicals. We got here today because, again, we have a physiology that operates based on the raw materials that we give it, and that's primarily through what Mother Nature provides us, either in plants or in some cases for those people who, um, you know, just eat whatever. I mean, Michael Pollan, the author, says a lot of people today eat food-like substances, and I completely agree with him. If you look at all of the processing that goes into food, uh, it's really sad what people do to themselves. And And I guess the other irony of this is the average person is so consumed with the car they drive, the clothes they wear, the home they live in, the neighborhood they live in, all these other material things that we place such priority on. But when it comes to putting things in their mouth, they could not care less. They drive through the the most convenient, quickest place, cheapest place to grab something, and then they shovel it down as quickly as possible, and, and they keep going on with their stress lives. And so people don't even place a priority on on nutrition and and their health. And then, as you were talking about Alzheimer's being a multi-year occurrence, it's true for all chronic disease, right? I mean, no one gets cardiovascular disease or cancer or diabetes overnight. It takes, in many cases, years for those things to result in a clinical diagnosis. So it's easy for the average person who has completely bought into this quick-fix, instant gratification society to say, Oh, I'm not worried about uh, you know eating this uh, this hamburger and French fries and milkshake right now because I have plenty of time 
you know, to have a, a salad and, you know, an orange or something later. I'll, I'll do that later. I'll figure out my, my habits later. And then meanwhile, as they're getting fatter and more out of shape and more inflamed and more stressed, at some point when they've ignored their habits for years, months, years, whatever, then they get diagnosed with something. And now it's like, oh, my God, what do I do, to, do with this? How do I, um, how do I resolve, resolve this disease that I've now been diagnosed with? Um, which is exactly what happens. I like to call it sick care, not health care, because um, we get to this point where we have preventable diseases and, and even cancer is in that category, most of it. And um, and then we wonder how we got there when we have years of doing the damage to ourselves. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We'll talk about this more when we get back. We're talking today with John Lewis. We'll be back shortly. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. A stain-free and clean home is something to be proud about, but it's hard to maintain when you're using a cleaning product that don't that doesn't work well or that takes forever to use. Q Carbona, a household brand that has turned their decades of cleaning expertise into products that get the job done fully, quickly, and easily. When I first heard about Stain Devils, my stain-removing game was changed. Think about this. If you have a chocolate stain, it wouldn't make sense to treat it with a formula that removes wine because they're chemically different. Knowing this, Carbona created specific stain removers for specific stain types. Genius, right? Beyond stain removers, they have highly efficient products for your laundry, carpet, and washing machine. My co-host Oliver, who's a Chihuahua cross and sits with me through all my shows, wants to remind you not to forget about the pet stain and odor remover. Want to start living your life unstained? Shop Carbona.com with code FTTC for 20% off your order. So, John, um, with dementia, what are the the signs that people should look out for? Um, so, for example, it's it's in my family, and we did miss it for a while with my grandma. So, if my mother is concerned, what should she be aware of? 
Well, that's a good question. I just so the listeners know, I'm not a neuropsychologist. I'm a physiologist, but <clears throat> from from everything that I understand about it, I, I would definitely look for things like forgetting names, forgetting places, forgetting events, uh, forgetting things that are common in that person's life, and starting to go down a path where their personality changes somewhat too in terms of not appearing to be the same person. This Again, I'm not a psychologist, but uh, from my understanding of, of, you know, how this works, that, uh, you know, you may think that sometimes these things are just normal changes in aging, and, and certainly they could be. But I think if, uh, if things, you know, continue to be off uh, over a period of time and the, and the pattern is starting to repeat itself, then at that point, you know, maybe someone should consider taking his or her loved one in for an evaluation uh, where they would probably have a neuropsych battery done that was similar to what we did in our study. Well, and and like you said, this can be something that happens anyway. I think a lot of women experience symptoms like that when they go through menopause. Um, you know, my my mom couldn't find her glasses most of the time. It was a family joke. She's okay now, but but at that time, um, there was something you know definitely going on, and and stress can do this as well. So um, you know, it's I think important to to note that, but then of course get things. Um, diagnosed properly so you do know what you're dealing with. Absolutely. I mean, I would, I would highly encourage anyone to, to not delay and, and seek out a good neuropsychologist who could do the testing uh, on someone to make sure that, that it isn't a greater problem than just maybe a, a temporary, as you said, a temporary stressful situation or menopause, you know, something else that could attribute the um, the memory, the difficulty, the memory difficulty, or any other personality changes that would that would be explained uh, by something other than a dementia process. So, and and once there is a diagnosis, or uh, you know, once dementia has hold of someone, how long does it typically take for for the disease to progress, and what usually happens? The uh, yeah, that those are very good questions. Again, I, I would feel more comfortable with, you know, some geriatrician or neurologist answering questions like that. But again, based on my limited knowledge, I would say that, you know, every person is unique. It could take several years before somebody goes from mild cognitive impairment all the way to Alzheimer's. I don't believe there is a very solid trajectory in terms of course of the disease. Uh, you know, everybody's kind of individually specific when it comes to, to that type of process. And obviously there are other mitigating factors along with it. Uh, you know, obviously obesity, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, cancer, all those things can have significant impacts on brain functioning as well simultaneously. So it would obviously depend on the person's let's call it comorbid status at the same time that they could be having some issues with uh, with cognition. Now, are there other things that, that can contribute to dementia aside from, well, nutrition? Um, do we have more knowledge, I guess, is what I mean to say of, of what's going on? Well, <clears throat> I think poor nutrition, uh, I sort of alluded to this point earlier, but I think poor nutrition is clearly at the top of the list. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, having uh, the, the genetic predisposition and the APOE4 gene allele, I mean, that's, that's one category of risk. Uh, just getting older today, uh, you know, the older we get, the more we're at risk. Just aging in and of itself is a risk factor for dementia. So putting the gene and the, the age factors aside, I think definitely poor nutrition is at the top of the list, even though the research isn't as conclusive in this area as it is, say, for cardiovascular disease, cancer, diabetes, uh, liver disease, etc. All those other diseases have had more funding spent on them in relationship to understanding uh, how nutrition affects other organ systems, unlike the brain, and I guess there's 
kind of an irony there where you think about why hasn't more funding been spent on brain issues compared to other organ systems and and I don't I can't explain that I, I can't have any idea why uh, funding priorities haven't been there up to you know just the last decade or so but now I think funding priorities are shifting to brain health much more so than they were a decade ago and hopefully some of these what I think are you know probably still a bit theoretical at this point will play out in terms of uh, a whole food plant, a predominantly whole food plant-based diet, uh, in a lot of studies is being published as as the way to go for not only preventing uh, some of these chronic diseases, but in some cases even reversing them. And so, I believe it will be only a matter of time before that holds true for for brain health as well. And then, of course, physical activity, exercise. These are obviously areas where we've long known that. Being active is very good for the heart, the lungs, the cardiorespiratory system, the musculoskeletal system. All these other organ systems have been pretty well studied. Again, uh, we've kind of ignored the brain and how it's affected by exercise, but uh, I don't think it's going to be a mystery when at some point down the road in another 10 or 20 years after more funding has been put into this field, that nutrition and exercise will be very indicative of if you're not eating well and you're not exercising, then you're going to have poor brain health. Well, and we know that these are important, as you said, for like our heart and and um, and other areas of the body. And and it 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 makes sense. But like you said, there's not a, enough studies for us to you know actually talk about how important these are, for, especially when it comes to dementia. Exactly. Well, and so you haven't really asked me about our study yet, but if I can, I'll go ahead and just <laughs> sure, share with the listeners a little bit about that. We uh, took a polysaccharide-based formula. Again, I mentioned earlier that nutrition is a much different model than, than medication where we were not interested in just because people want to know, oh, well, just, you know, tell me what's the magic bullet. You know, everybody wants to know what that one key factor is. There is no one key factor. Physiology, human physiology doesn't work that way. There are lots of factors. There may be thousands of factors that we can't even remotely come close to understanding all the relationships between those. But we put people with moderate to severe Alzheimer's disease that had been diagnosed at least for one year on our product, and we followed them for one year. We had them come back every three months, so they had five assessments, baseline three, six, nine, and 12 months. We did the neuropsych testing at each assessment. We drew blood at only baseline and 12 months because of limitations of funding. And then we looked at what happened over time. Um, now, before I get to the punchline, I'll tell you and your listeners, I had, I had caregivers calling me uh, within the first three to six months. We had 34 people in the study. So it took us, uh, I think we ran the study, it took over, I don't remember exactly, I'd have to go back and check my files, but I want to say it took us over two and a half years to run the study for that long with that many people. You know, you don't just enroll every person who's in the study, you know, at day one and then you're done in 12 months. It doesn't, clinical research doesn't work that way. But within the first three to six months of starting the study, we had five or six people who were already enrolled and, you know, people were starting to come back for their three-month visit. And I had caregivers calling me up saying, Dr. Lewis, I cannot believe uh, what my, in my, in one case, I very vividly remember this one woman who was taking care of her husband. She would call me up and say, Dr. Lewis, uh, he's talking about things that he hasn't said to me in years. And I mean, this woman was in tears. She was crying like a baby. Uh, tears of joy because of what her husband was now talking about. And and he had been sick for a very long time. And I had that happen to me over the course of that study several times. It gives me chill bumps every time I tell this story because these caregivers were so desperate for anything to help their loved one and nothing was helping them. And the fact that our dietary supplement did was very, very powerful. So you know, having that anecdotal feedback along the way of, of what we showed statistically was very powerful. But <clears throat> what we did show statistically was that at 9 and 12 months, 
these subjects had statistically and clinically significant improvements in cognitive functioning at 9 and 12 months. Then we showed at 12 months that they had reductions in TNF-alpha and VEGF, which are two inflammatory markers commonly looked at in, or historically looked at in, in cardiovascular disease and cancer. But perhaps for one of the first times, we showed that nutrition, dietary supplementation uh, could lower these markers in, in people with Alzheimer's disease. And then the third really exciting uh, finding from our study was that we showed just under a 300% proliferation or increase of adult stem cells according to CD14 cells. So when you put those three things together, and, and again, you can read about it in our first paper where we describe all this, was very powerful and, and way beyond anything that we ever expected. And, and by the way, not only did the caregivers have a major change or a major, I guess you could say, major epiphanies for them as, you know, looking at their loved ones, but even the staff running the study. I mean, everyone, everyone from the psychiatrist to the neuropsychologist to the coordinators were saying, well, you know, we really do pharmaceutical research at this at this center, we don't really do too much nutrition, but, you know, you've got some money, so we'll help you out. And when these people were coming back, when the subjects were coming back and calling people by name and, and being able to walk when they were in wheelchairs prior to that, I mean, you want to talk about slapping people in the face and waking them up to the reality of nutrition and dietary supplementation. Our study did it. Wow. That that's amazing when you consider you know everything that we talked about beforehand, where you have a drug that maybe helps for a few months and then you decline for years after. Um, for you to be able to turn people around that quickly is is a miracle. Well, it is, and and I think people. I, I mean, I, I don't disagree with the use of the word miracle, but again, what I would go back to is this isn't a miracle. This is giving the body the raw materials uh, it that needs. it needs to function properly. It's 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 literally enhancing your nutritional status, and and fortunately for a lot of people, our our body is so resilient we can abuse it for decades, and yet as soon as we start supplying it with what it really needs to function properly, it can heal itself. Um, which shows, you know, that really how amazing our bodies are. I'm sometimes surprised that we're alive with with the things that we have going on and the damage that we do and how we do abuse ourselves. And, um, and, and you know, that there can be something this simple for such a devastating disease is pretty amazing as well. Um, what has been the, the feedback of this study, um, aside from what you said while well, the study was going on, but, but since it's been published, what, what have you heard? Well, as I mentioned when we first started the interview, you know, unfortunately in the United States, uh, continuing research all comes down to funding. And so we tried a couple of times to get funding. Uh, I probably I won't mention names of who the proposals were submitted to just because I don't want to infuriate people. But unfortunately, our proposals for requests for more funding were denied. However, I have not given that up. I'm still uh, between our company's efforts in raising money and investment and some additional efforts that I'm also uh, working on to raise uh, research dollars, we are, are definitely going to, at some point, if it's the last thing I do, uh, conduct more studies in this area. But meanwhile, you know, we continue working with people, uh, you know, whether it's customers of Nourish Me, our company, or, you know, clients of my own that I've worked with individually. I mean, we still have uh, lots of amazing um, anecdotes to you know to to share with the world, and as more and more people um, take our product, which is called Cogni Nourish, by the way. But um, I mean, you know, basically the the answer to your question is is that the feedback is still very positive. I mean, I take our product every day. My mother takes it. My girlfriend, all of my close family and friends. I mean, I. You know, anybody who, who has read our paper and who knows me and, and the work that I've done that you mentioned uh, when you introduced me over the last 20 years uh, knows that I only I would never sell anything that I would not take myself uh, or that I would give to my family and friends. I mean, that's just my own sort of one of my own personal mantras. But 
I believe that, uh, you know, as we continue growing and, and influencing one life at a time and, and those people tell their family and friends, the word will only, the message will only continue spreading. But we have, we have great opportunity to help people. And, you know, nutrition obviously is the more broader term that I've been using, but dietary supplementation is sort of like a, I guess you could say under that umbrella of nutrition where it's more specific. So, you know, a lot of times think, oh, well, people think, oh, well, I eat very healthy. And that's very debatable because I've, I've heard lots of people tell me they eat healthy over the years. And then when I actually, uh, you know, do some sort of a dietary recall on them and, and learn what they're eating, they're not e- eating healthy at all. They just think they are. But dietary supplementation, you know, obviously the dietary supplement industry itself sometimes gets a black eye because there are unscrupulous people out there running bad companies. But in general, dietary supplements can be very beneficial, specifically due to the fact that in our case, uh, the, the, the nutrients, the ingredients that we have uh, in CogniNourish, you could not possibly get, for example, the polysaccharides that are so important to this formula. You could not possibly get enough of those polysaccharides just from food alone. It would be impossible. For example, the aloe vera source, uh, it's a product called Biolo, um, is very rich in polysaccharides, but aloe vera in nature is about 98.5% water. So you can imagine how much of the aloe vera gel you'd have to eat uh, or, you know, kind of suck down. It's, you know, a gel again to get enough of the polysaccharide to have any kind of a physiological effect. So there are very good reasons why uh, people need to take dietary supplements, and that's one of them. Um, We're going to talk about this more when we get back. I find it uh, really fascinating. Uh, We're talking today with John Lewis, and he is the CEO and co-founder of Nourish Me. And we'll be back shortly. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. We're on the pulse of the world with great shows and hosts. The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel is also on Twitter. We've got ideas to keep you healthy, breaking health news, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Voice AM Health. That's at Voice AM Health. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with John Lewis, and he is the CEO and co-founder of Nourish Me. So, John, with your your uh, polysaccharide supplement, Nourish Me, um, what are you seeing with dementia patients? Are you seeing a complete reversal or what appears to be a complete reversal, or are you just seeing um, some symptoms clear up? Well, <clears throat> according to what, again, this isn't really... Um, very clear when you um, you know you're looking at data. I mean, it's it's very difficult to you know to individually say, well, this happened or that happened, other than what appears uh, on a questionnaire or an assessment that you know someone like a neuropsychologist would conduct. But again, based on the feedback that I got from some of the caregivers, and I I can't. I mean, again, it's been a few years ago since we 
conducted the study, as I mentioned, and I can't recall if I spoke to every single caregiver after, you know, so much time in the study, but the ones that do stand out, what, um, what happened was that people could remember, you know, family members' names, anniversaries, birthdays, events, even something as simple as the directions back home, uh, or, you know, just sort of a, a more awareness of a daily routine. Now, I would never say that, you know, this was like total reversal. I mean, in many cases, these people were at an advanced disease state. Remember that I did say these were people with moderate to severe disease. So um, I, I don't know, um, you know, what it would take to have somebody go from severe disease to wellness. I, you know, I don't, I don't really know what that would take. Uh, and that might take even more than a than a twelve month intervention to figure that all out. And you know, we didn't even address anything else in the study. I mean, one of the things that you know sometimes I find fascinating with people is that, again, because we live in this pill popping, instant gratification time today, people say, "Well, you know, what's the quickest thing that I can do to get better?" Rather than really doing a, a good self-assessment and saying, okay, I need to change X, Y, and Z. They don't even want to change X. They just want to add, you know, something else to what they're already doing and then hope that works out for the best. So, <clears throat> excuse me, in the study, we didn't even change people's diets. We just continued letting them basically live as is other than taking the product. So imagine if we dove deeper into someone's daily habits in terms of, assessing their diet, finding out if they're eating well or not, assessing physical activity and, and exercise levels. Uh, you know, I mean, there could have been a lot of other things that we could have done to even improve the outcomes further. So the fact that we got such amazing outcomes just by adding a dietary supplement to their daily routine, that in and of itself uh, was amazing. Forget the fact that we actually had really impressive results. Just the fact that we only added one behavior. We didn't even change anything else. So where I'm going with this is that, you know, if we could in the future uh, get research set up to really address all of these lifestyle behaviors, then I think that potentially could be one opportunity or one hope or one possibility where we could take somebody at a really advanced stage of disease and then perhaps bring them back to something that you know, is relatively functional. I mean, again, I think you're probably well aware of this from your own personal experience with your grandmother, but if somebody's at a very advanced stage of disease, it's probably going to be very challenging. Not even the best nutrition in the world is going to be able to reverse that person totally. Well, and, and, you know, that's important. Like you said, there are other factors as well. So you've put in one thing, but of course, if the person still, say, has a, a diet of just McDonald's or they're not exercising or these things that, that we brought up earlier, um, that, that, could may also make a difference, but it, it might, it may be that they can't follow through with any of those things until they, they get, better to a certain point as well, because it's very hard for them to remember to make those changes as well. That's right. No question about it. I mean, again, uh, you know, there's only so much ability that someone has in a study to be able to manipulate human behavior. I mean, you know, you could challenge basically any kind of lifestyle behavior because the bottom line is, is, you know, we're we're enrolling people in a study. We're telling them what the protocol is. We're asking them to follow it. And then once they walk out our door, well, guess what? All we can do is, you know, trust them that they're being honest with us and saying, okay, yes, we, you know, are following the protocol and, and we're conducting uh, our, you know, our habits and our behaviors the way we're supposed to. I mean, that's, that's the best any of us can do as clinical researchers dealing with humans. I mean, with no offense to the basic scientists in the world, but I've never seen a rat or a, a tissue or a cell be late for an appointment or cancel an appointment. You know, I mean, when you're a basic scientist and you're conducting studies, again, on cells or tissues or animals, I mean, unless your lab burns down, you know, you're probably always going to have a very controlled environment to be able to 
conduct the study exactly the way you wants to, the way you want to. With humans, forget it. I mean, it's a it's a it's a very messy enterprise to uh, to try to intervene with humans, and uh, and then on top of that, having a disease where not only are you really focused on the the person with the disease, but you have to interact with the caregiver. In our case. Actually, that was a good thing, though, because as I mentioned earlier, our caregivers were literally desperate. I mean, these people were so desperate to find anything, I mean, anything for their loved one to give them a hope of, you know, some kind of improvement in life that they absolutely, uh, you know, followed the protocol and were completely, uh, you know, open to doing whatever we suggested because they had tried all the drugs. They had tried, you know, the entire spectrum of conventional approaches, which isn't much uh, past the FDA-approved drugs. So they're watching their loved one deteriorate into nothingness and with no hope whatsoever from the conventional perspective. So the fact that we could offer them something else that might offer them an opportunity to improve you can better believe they signed up for it quickly. And then, of course, when they started actually seeing changes in their loved one, now you've really got people to buy in. So if, if there's a way that, you know, at some point in the future as we move forward that we can, you know, replicate what we've already done and then even expand it into other, uh, you know, communities outside of, of Miami, Florida. I didn't mention where I'm from, but, uh, you know, really spread this across the United States and ultimately the world. Now we've got some opportunity here to to help people with this really tragic disease on hopefully not just a national scale, but a, a global scale. Well, I, I agree with you. Um, I agree with everything you just said. And, and the compliance for, for diet and exercise is difficult, even with somebody who's thinking clearly. So um, the fact that you've got a supplement that, that can help some of the symptoms until they can get to that point where they can remember to do those things and, and follow through um, is is amazing. And, you know, the prevention part as well, like you said, everybody you know takes it because who really wants to go down that road into the disease why not just prevent it just same as we do with heart disease we eat well and we exercise knowing that that can help us prevent heart disease why can't we do the same thing here absolutely 100 percent. i mean we we have to prevention is the only way you know we we're spending over two and a half trillion dollars per year in what we call a healthcare system and it's not it's medical management it's disease management so we have to completely orient, reorient ourselves to prevention. That's the only way uh, that our species is not going to go down the tubes due to chronic disease. And you mentioned it earlier. You, you said something very important that I didn't follow up on. And you said that if you look at the data, uh, and you can go to the Institute of Medicine, World Health Organization, the American Heart, uh, Heart Association, the uh, Centers for Disease Control, all these big uh, organizations clearly document that about 70 to 80 percent of chronic disease can be prevented in the first place. So why are we not doing this? I mean, everybody ought to say, my health is important. My health is a priority. I'm going to protect it. It's more important to me than if I'm driving a Mercedes or if I own a Rolex watch. Those things are nice. And if you've got the money for them, you know, good luck to you and, and enjoy them. But if, I don't care how much money you have, how much uh, stuff you have. If you don't have your health, man, you have nothing. And so we really have to get people to understand this basic concept. And it's completely oblivious to the average person today. And it's really sad for me that that is the case. But part of my mission for the rest of my life is to help people understand the value of health and how it's not just an individual uh, responsibility, it actually affects all of us because we only have one ship and, and we're all going to go down with it if we don't reorient our perspective on what health is. I, I agree with you. You know, if you own a house or a car, you take care of it and you change your oil and you put, you know, you wash it and you do all those things that you do with that. 
but we give we give those things more care than we do to ourselves a lot of the time. And those things are actually replaceable. If your car breaks down and isn't usable, you buy another one. And uh, we we don't have that luxury with our bodies. And and so really prevention is key with with all these preventable <laughs> chronic diseases. It just seems to make more sense. I always tell my patients, you know, we're going to get some some testing done to see where you're at and and if you haven't crossed the line into a disease and there's nothing there that's even better because we can turn these symptoms around before it happens and that's where you want to be is you want to be able to just turn things around and not cross that line absolutely i completely agree with you now if anybody um, wants any more information or to get a hold of your product how can they do so Fantastic. So uh, they can go to our website. It's www.nourish.me, and that's nourish without an O. So that's N-U-R-I-S-H dot M-E. Uh, we also have our products for sale on Amazon. The, the name of our two products are Cogni Nourish, which is the polysaccharide-based formula that I mentioned that we used in the Alzheimer's study. And then we also have a really amazing curcumin product, called Corcumin that we use our platform technology to enhance its bioavailability, which simply means how much uh, it's absorbed. So those are the two products that we have uh, using them together, which, as I mentioned, I take Cogni Nourish every day. I also take our Corcumin every day. Using them in combination, uh, you just get such fantastic benefit from both. I mean, again, this is a, a broad spectrum of approach. Each formula has lots of different ingredients that are very beneficial. They're all, all natural. And, uh, you know, you want to talk about just a general strategy to being healthy. They lower inflammation. They lower oxidative stress. Uh, they provide so many key components to all these different metabolic pathways that are engaged every time, again, we put something in our mouth and swallow it. So you can find uh, both of our products on both our site and Amazon. Well, that's perfect. I want to thank you so much for, um, well, first for the work that you've done, because as you said, that there is a gap um, in studies on dementia. So so thank you for, for doing that so that we have more answers. And uh, thank you for sharing it all with us today. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I really enjoyed it. And I'm happy to, um, to be on any time in the future, if you like. Perfect. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. If you want more information about my story and what I went through on my journey back to health, you can find that on my website at dr-risk.com. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening today. Be sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week.